Thank you for listening to this Reading the Bible Together podcast, available thanks to your support. Welcome to Reading the Bible Together. I'm your host, Angela Smith. God is faithful, and His hand is extended, and He is there to all who turn towards Him. Um, He won't reject us. He won't shame us. There is no condemnation for, for those who are in Christ Jesus. This week, we're talking about the spiritual discipline of repentance. And when I think about repentance, I think about kind of what goes with it. What are, our, what are our emotions that go with it? Sometimes we feel condemnation instead of conviction. Sometimes we feel shame instead of guilt. And when I was thinking about who is someone that would be able to kind of handle that conversation and be able to speak to those, I, I thought immediately of Joe Biancardi. He is the Director of Counseling Services here at the University of Northwestern St. Paul. He's a licensed psychologist and recently also gave a message on shame and guilt which I'm so grateful for. Welcome, Joe. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks, Angela. Happy to be with you. So is it weird to say that I'm excited for this conversation? (laughs) No, I think it's it's good, right? It's something that we all as humans can identify with and Mm -hmm. what do we do with it? Right. So the study that we're doing is on Lent. That's Mm -hmm. when we're studying all these different spiritual disciplines. Do you have any history with Lent? You know, is it something that you observed growing up or do now as an adult? Um, I didn't really grow up with the tradition of that. Uh, grew up in the E-Free Church uh, primarily, but certainly I have really liked the disciplines that come through reading Lenten devotionals and different things that really prepare my heart for worship at, at Easter. Mm-hmm. Really, actually, I'd say before that, just preparing for Good Friday right. and and the, the the passion of our Lord that really sets us up for the glory of resurrection. I don't think we fully appreciate kind of what Easter is mm-hmm. until we really know what it costs the Lord to purchase our freedom. Yeah. What we've talked about here a lot is that we like to jump from Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday mm. without lingering in Good Friday. Right. And Easter has so much more meaning when you lean into and suffer with yes. Christ and his suffering. Yes. Having a yeah. godly sorrow, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. grief. Yep. Thank you for sharing that. Um, okay, so we're talking about repentance, and I just out of curiosity, I looked it up, and I thought, well, what does you know? How does Webster define it? And it re- de- defines it as the action of repenting, sincere regret or remorse, and then to repent is to feel or express sincere regret, remorse about one's wrongdoing or sin. And it feels like this feels true to me that. You know, in today, we don't want to even talk about sin. So then talking about repentance, it feels like it's a conversation that kind of gets lost because yeah. we're not, we don't want to talk about sin because that's uncomfortable. And so right. if we're not talking about the reason to repent, right. then we're not really having a conversation about repentance or, you know, it's gotten muddled or it's been wielded. Yes. In the past. And so then we get condemnation and shame instead of conviction and guilt. So would you talk a little bit about about all, you know, all of those and how we can kind of get our get it right in our head? Yeah. I think sometimes we just as you introduced with Easter, right? We want to skip over those feelings that really are uncomfortable and difficult to sit in. And so Consequently, often when we talk about the Lord, we want to talk about the love of God, and it's good that we do that. 
And at the same time, we have to kind of hold intention that it is the fear of God that is the beginning of knowledge. It's the fear of God that's the beginning of wisdom. And so sometimes we even soften that and say, well, it just means to respect and honor the Lord. Um, but the Lord is awesome, which means mighty and terrible. And, and the, the fact that the gospel is good news is because God is going to judge wrathfully all wickedness and ungodliness. And so we have an incomplete story if we don't tell the whole thing which then leads us, I think, into this concept of repentance and how that really, what I like about this kind of conversation is it's a discipline. It's, it's, it's a way that we live our lives. Um, could I, could yeah, I sh- that's a good point. That's yeah. not, it's not a one, one and done. Right. It's an ongoing practice. It's an ongoing discipline that we need to practice. Yes. Yeah. Were you going to share something? Oh yeah. I was just going to ask if I could share a story. Yes, from, yes, yeah. yes. I thought that, um, Jesus gives us a great picture of this uh, on the last Passover mm. where, you know, after the meal, he comes out, you know, dressed as a servant and he's going to wash his disciples' feet. And Peter seems to really feel this kind of as a, as a rebuke, you know, like, ah, you're not washing my feet, Lord. And Jesus says to him, well, if you don't let me wash your feet, you don't have, you know, anything to do with me. And he's like, well, then not just my feet, but my head, my body also. And the Lord's kind of like, you don't need a bath, man. <laughs> um and, and that to me is kind of this picture of what does it look like for us in the here and now, right? If, if we're in Christ, we are positionally forgiven. And yet if I'm in the world, right, I get dust on my feet and my feet need to be washed. That's my daily confession. And of course, the Lord says if, that if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so in a way, Peter's position with the Lord is secure but he needs his feet washed. Mm-hmm. And so that leads us into that necessary repentance uh, just every day. Yeah. And that repentance, as you were talking, I was thinking about how that it it's the action that that conviction and guilt is the kind of the feeling. It's the internal yeah. process yeah. that leads us to the action of repentance. Right. And so now I'm wondering if you've got condemnation and shame as the internal process, then what is your, what is your action? I'm just really on the fly, (laughs) like thinking about this. I mean, is it then trying to, instead of maybe it's pride, you know, leading you to pride of, you know, I don't, I don't have anything like I'm not even worthy of it. Sorry. I'm just really like trying to figure out. Yeah. I could see us kind of getting in between like two polarities, right? Mm -hmm. There's something inside of our hearts as humans that, wants to atone, that wants to to do it on our own, yeah. right? And that's, yes. and that's really where that pride comes in and it gets us stuck in that shame, condemnation cycle because we're n- never enough, right? Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, we might even get into a place where we can't ever rest. Perhaps, you know, it's this chronic, you know, I, I feel bad and, and I, I, can't, I can't seem to shake this. And so I just keep coming over and over and over again in this almost scrupulous way, trying to feel okay about, about myself. And yet I, I never do. So maybe I want to hide, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, um, and just ignore it and pretend that that's not so bad. Right. And explain it away. Yeah. So in your work as a counselor, how have you seen shame and condemnation come up with with people and the and how that affects 
the way that they're living their lives? You know, the message that you gave on shame, you know, what, what did you learn in that process? You know, I think a lot is where do we focus our attention, right? And in some respect, you know, it's good for us to examine ourselves and good to be inward focused uh, in so much as uh, the Holy Spirit brings things to our attention that we can deal with in right relationship with Jesus. At, at, the, at the same time, we could also get into a place where I think we get stuck in the in this cycle of shame and condemnation when we're too much navel-gazing and mm. not enough on what is the finished work that Jesus has accomplished? What has he already done? I really love uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It talks about how in verse 2, how the Lord went to the cross despising the shame for us. And when we think about how God is uh, towards his people, right? It's his loving kindness, his gentleness that leads us to repentance. And so in a way, I'm, I'm invited to lay down my burden and to lay down my shame on Jesus. He, he took it. He despised the reproach of God on our behalf so that we never have to understand what it, the degree that of, of separation and pain that, that he experienced. And I think that that would, can be really difficult to allow yourself. I think that's a process is what I, I think that is. Being able to fully lay that down. Yeah. Being able to fully re- release that to Jesus. Because there's there's nothing that we can do to atone for that. Right. And he's already done the atoning work. Right. He's already done the work to to pay the cost of, of us sinning. Yeah, this I am just realizing as we're talking, <laughs> this is a really big subject, mm-hmm. and it's really hard to talk about. It's hard, to, and I, like I've been walking with the Lord for thirty years, so this is something I do a lot. <laughs> I have to repent a lot. I'm with you. Um, and I I feel like the the process can can get muddled. The process can feel big. It's something that we can hang on to. You know, I I think it was right before we were recording that you were talking about how someone would not be able to lay it, to lay it down, wouldn't be able to lay it down that, and you were in the, the, how we can become so focused on ourselves, whether it's in shame and condemnation or conviction and guilt that we can get stuck in that cyclical me, me, me. I can't lay this all in Jesus. I'm going to try to explain this away. I'm bad. I'm terrible. You know, how if someone is stuck in that kind of cyclical process or that mind recording looping, yes, mm-hmm. how would how would you suggest that someone change, flips the record? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's change that channel in our brain, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so I think it, it comes down to right thinking, and you know, the scripture says in, in Romans that um, we experience transformation by the renewal of our mind. Mm-hmm. And so we're not to be conformed to a pattern of the world, but we're to be transformed. And so if, if, that's, if that transformation happens through renewal, it, it implies or presupposes that there is a right way to think and there is a wrong way to think. And when I think about the character of God, it calms me down. Mm. If it's up to me, I'm going to screw it up 100% of the time. It's just simply an awareness that I can't do this on my own. And since the Lord has done it already, 
right? He has finished his work on the cross. He said, it is finished. He's completed all that was necessary for us to come to him. And and that was signaled in his resurrection, which is a glorious story. And, And I think, okay, well, it's up to me. I'm going to screw this up. I'm going to get stuck in some sort of loop of trying to do better or trying to be good or trying to be perfect. When we really understand who God is and we understand how much we need him, I think we're we're stuck with this thing of, oh, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and I think it goes back to what you were saying about the, the verses from Romans, mm-hmm. renewing our minds. Well, what are we renewing our minds with? Are we renewing our minds with some kind of mantra from the day that will make us feel better? Or are we meditating on God's word and allowing that to bring transformation in our life? Because his word is alive and active. And, and when that's coming in, I mean, that's like, you know, what I see when I am saying this, it's like a big, great big spotlight on our lives Mm. and on our, on our inner conversation with ourselves. What are, what are the things in me? You know, Psalm 139, Yeah, search me God and know, you know, everything in me, you know, help me to see the things that I don't even know are there so that I can get those dark things out and bring them out into the light. And that can be a really painful process to first of all, admit that there's so much darkness in yourself, especially if you've been walking with the Lord for a while, you've, Oh, what really gets me is like pride is one of the things that I deal with over and over in different ways, but like an onion. I'm like, really, Lord, like I've been here before. Is it really? It's pride again? Yeah. Like constantly like, right. but you know, needing to repent right. again about the same thing it feels like. And not necessarily because I'm feeling shame or, you know, I'm, I'm feeling convicted and because I'm still fallen. Right. Having to, you know, the sometimes the loops. I mean, sometimes we can have this inner conversation that's looping. Sometimes we can feel like we're looping in life because yes. we're fallen, and we just have to keep coming back and saying, "I messed up again, mm-hmm. Lord. We forgive me again and help me. I can't. I can't do this. Right. I need you to even help me. Sometimes it's God. I don't even want to do that. I need you to help me want to want to do that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I, I, I'm so. I'm so grateful you went to Psalm 139 because the thing that I think about there in in this whole pattern that you just kind of spelled out for us is how is it that David prays a prayer like that, Mm. right? Where's his confidence? You know, um, he's not hiding. He's, he's asking the Lord, as you said, to, to like pierce his heart and to bring all these things into the light. Whereas I think when we think of our wrongdoing, we want people just overlook that. Mm -hmm. You know, in fact, it's other people's problems. I know, I think it was Albert Bandura and social psychology had this idea of the fundamental attribution error, which is when I see a problem, say, in your life, well, you know, Angela, you know, she's, she's got some pride. She's got to work on that with the Lord. And, but then when I see pride in my own life, well, you know, to err is human. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? To forgive is Different, divine. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. We, we, get that, we get that free pass, right? And it's like that's... That's not what David is doing. He's really asking the Lord to to discipline him mm-hmm. and to examine him and root all that out. And I think he can ask that because he knows what God is like. And we said a few minutes ago about like the loving kindness of the Lord brings us to repentance. And I think this really is important in terms of understanding 
the relationship to condemnation mm-hmm. is when when Moses went on the top of the mountain and received the law, he asked the Lord if he could see him. And, and God said to him, you know, you can't see me and live, but I'll hide you here in the cleft of the rock and I will declare my name to you. And I will let you see the glory of, of my back, as it were. And interestingly, right, when, when he does this, the Lord declares his name, which is uh, in the Near Eastern way, this is a, a very powerful um, interaction between Moses and God that he's going to actually share his name with him. And he says, I'm the Lord, Lord, rich in mercy, mm. right? And like, that's the thing that God wants us to, to know. It's like, that's I am what the, he's calling himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I am the Lord, Lord, right? The, the, the one who has no beginning and no end, as he, he repeats that, right? I am, as it were. And I'm rich in mercy. Come, to me, right? And then we get to that beauty of Romans 8, 1. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so if we agree with God, all of us are in and under condemnation until we are in Christ. Mm-hmm. And therefore we we need him like we need air. Yeah. And it's free. And it's free. It's He's, he's paid it. He's paid it. And so it's free to us. Right. All we have to do is accept it. Yep. There's nothing I can do to earn it. Nope. God did it for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. As you were talking, the importance of understanding, you know, that Moses, David, that David knew who God was. He knew his character. Right. And actually this week through the study guide, we're going through Psalm 51, just walking right through it. And it's David after um, Bathsheba. Yeah. And that, oh, that just really speaks to me that, Knowing who God is and allowing that to influence the way that you're coming to him, to be able to be vulnerable like David was vulnerable and allow that to inform. And how, and then that asks, well, how do you then know who God is? Yeah. Well, that's letting his word, that's, that's right. letting what he has said about himself define who he is versus our experience. Yeah. Because I think we can do that a lot, but to see him right because I think part of the reason that Moses couldn't survive or why we can't survive being fully present with him is because of our fallenness and our sinfulness. But he, in his loving kindness, he made a way for us to be able to be in his presence. He's amazing. Amen. He's amazing. If someone doesn't know Christ Mm -hmm. and, and they wanted to start a relationship with them, what would you say to them? I would say that agree with God, mm. right? It just begins with agreeing with God. It's like, you know what? I, I've i committed wrongdoing and I need forgiveness and I don't know what to do with this. I, I, can, I can try to live a good life, but is it ever enough when I keep struggling over and over? I, I mean, I love that you brought up pride, right? Because it, it undergirds like everything that we deal yeah, with. Everything I Every, deal with and do. Me too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the most... You might say that's mankind's, uh, humankind's original sin. Mm-hmm. So we agree with God that that we have we have offended Him, right? That He is a holy God, and and uh, and that we need Him. And then we just simply say, you know, Lord, I want to be Yours. I want to follow after You. And that really begins, I think, a whole journey for us in in living in forgiveness and freedom. Mm-hmm. 
because if we get into all the theology, right, we talk, we could get into the idea of being dead in our trespasses, but being alive in Christ. And it's like, well, you know, I, I, I'm born a sinner, so I, I sin or I, I do wrong, wrong things. And like we said, it's easy to try to excuse it say, well, it's not that bad. But our standard isn't you and I. It's our standard is God who's, there's no shadow of turning in him. There's, right. He's perfect. So and we, his hand is extended. And his hand is extended. And, you know, I think about this even, yeah, so we just have to respond to his invitation. And we, we see that in the garden, mm-hmm. in, in the story in Genesis 3, right? It says that God is, the Lord God is walking. This is after Adam and Eve ate the fruit. And God is like, Adam, where are you? As a young Christian, I thought about, oh, God is mad. He's angry. Mm. You know, where are you? It's like, it's not like that. God knows. He's God. He has no need. He knows everything. So when he asks Adam, where is he? He's inviting him to come to him. And then he's like, oh, well, I was naked and I hid. Well, who told you you were naked? As if he didn't know, mm-hmm. right? It's like, did you eat the fruit? Again, Bring it to me. Yeah, he's pursuing. He's pursuing Pursuing. Adam. Yeah, confess it. Just say it. Unburden it, Mm -hmm. right? And Adam, of course, because of his shame, he tries to blame his wife and in turn blames the serpent. And, you know, but even in God's curse, as it were, right, he provides the way of redemption, you know, that the seed of a woman would crush the head of a serpent. And that's an interesting word, right? Mm Because there's no... That's man's part in the deal, I think, right? <laughs> and so it kind of prefigures a immaculate conception and Jesus coming and solving Adam's problem and our problem. And But then God covers them, right? And that's a great, beautiful picture, cover, because that's the same meaning for this theological word, atonement, or you could just break that down, at one mint, mm. shalom, mm. peace mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with God. Wholeness. Wholeness, mm-hmm. right? It's like he covers them with animals. That's a merciful act. And of course, an animal died as a substitute in that way, right? So, so therefore, Jesus later is the Lamb of God who takes away our sin and And that's because of God's mercy, that invitation to come. And so I love how you said that, Angelo, like God's, those of you can see us, her hand was outstretched. (laughs) I mean, it's like his hand is outstretched to us. Come, Mm -hmm. come to me. And I think that's just it. We respond with that. We come, we acknowledge that, that we need him, that we've done wrong, that we have no hope without him. And that begins... Uh, a beautiful and truthfully hard, hard journey too, because right. now now we're aware of who we are. Yep, and, and and I think what's important to say too is that 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 relationship that his continuing to pursue, our his continuing to reach for us, mm. is the same when we first come to know him. Yeah, and then throughout our life and our relationship with him, he's still reaching out to us. Yeah, he's still reaching out to us, and that's why the repentance piece is so right. important. Because we need to keep repenting and and keep coming back to him right. and keeping and keep in relationship with him, right? No matter what. Last week we talked about prayer, and I think that's how we keep our relationship with him is that conversation. And then this repentance piece needs to be part of that conversation that we're having with him, that we're surrendering yeah. and we're um, apologizing and we're turning 180 degrees and walking in the other direction yes. of the the way that we were walking that was not with God. We got to turn and walk with God in the direction that he wants us yes. to go. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And we can do that by pursuing him through prayer, pursue mm-hmm. him through 
his word, word mm-hmm. pursue him by conversations yep. with other people who know and love him. Um, but thank you, Joe. Thank you for making the time to do this. This is I until we got into this conversation, I didn't realize how difficult it was. Oh, it's fun. <laughs> I, 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 it is a hard and lofty topic, mm-hmm. and there's so many facets to our own complexes and different things that we have to deal with on an individual basis. And yet, as you said, you know, God is faithful and, and he, his hand is extended and he is there to all who turn towards him. Mm. Um, he won't reject us. He won't shame us. And there is no condemnation for, for those who are in Christ Jesus. So. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And thank you for joining us for this conversation about the spiritual discipline of repentance. Thank you to Joe B. and Cardi for being my guest today. If you'd like to get the free Lent study guide, go to MyFaithRadio.com and look for the Reading the Bible Together resource page. If you want to hear this conversation again, you can listen to the Reading the Bible Together podcast wherever you get podcasts. And join me next week as we talk about the spiritual discipline of compassion. Thank you for listening to this conversation on reading the Bible together. These conversations are available because of your support. You can become a supporter now at myfaithradio.com. Please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes and share it with friends so together we can inspire more people to read the Bible together.